Hello and welcome to the OMG Online Marketing Guidance Podcast where we talk about marketing, web design, development, and all things interwebs. I'm Kelly Glista Anderson. And I'm Dave Cho. And today is our first episode! Oh my god, we're so excited. Um, <laughs> we're just imagining that you guys are excited with us, because uh, otherwise that would be really sad. Um, we're, we're really pumped to be doing this podcast, uh, and we can't wait to take you on some internet adventures, talking about the stuff that we deal with every day at our digital agency. They're very fun and exciting. We know you'll think so too. <laughs> um, we don't want this podcast to be just for agency folks, though. Um, we're here for everyone and anyone who uses the internet, which we're figuring is all of you because you're listening to a podcast. So, um, especially if you're using it for any marketing There's no purposes. podcasts on tape. <laughs> I don't think so. Can you, you get download, those from the library? I think so. If you've downloaded and printed this podcast, we're making jokes. <laughs> we need like a sarcasm font note. <laughs> it will be Comic Sans. All right. So, we want to hear what you guys want to hear about um, on this podcast, since this is the first episode, you don't get any say in the matter because you weren't here and you didn't know that we existed. So you just have to deal with it this time. But uh, check out the link in the show notes to send us your thoughts or hit us up on Twitter at OMG Marketing Podcast. Um, today, we are going to talk about data, specifically data privacy. We are, and we have a very special guest, our first guest, a man that we all know and love, ostensibly. Um, professionally <laughs> here uh, to talk a little bit about this because this is something that sure it affects companies in Europe but it's also affecting all of us eventually and it's probably kicking off some sort of cascade effect with privacy we think um, that might translate over to the Americas at some point so today's special guest who we'll introduce shortly is our digital advertising manager here at Rocket Good I'm being told, it's in my headset, he's actually the <laughs> digital advertising director here at Raqqa, Ryan Derling. So we'll bring him in right after the break. And we're back. Uh, as Dave hinted at, we're going to talk a little bit about something that uh, I'm pretty sure you got a bajillion emails related to this spring. Um, if you're using any internet services or sites, um, you probably got a lot of the, we've updated our privacy policy emails um, related to the GDPR or the General Data Protection Regulation. And you all probably remember the Cambridge Analytica situation uh, over the last several months and other data breaches over time. But essentially, um, you know, Facebook was fined for uh, basically allowing Cambridge Analytica to get access to a lot of data that presumably people would have preferred remain private, um, which is the impetus behind the GDPR in the first place. It's this sort of higher level of protection. Um, I think we all accept that to some degree our information is out there and it's going to be used by companies, but I think the backlash that came out of the scandal came because people didn't realize to what extent and by whom that information was being used. Right, and the reason that it's an issue recently um, is that the there's a very specific piece of the GDPR which was um, signed signed into effect a, a while ago actually, um, but the enforcement piece 
um, is what went to went into effect in May, uh, leading to that slew of emails, leading to uh, a lot of companies changing their privacy policies and the actual fining of, of Facebook and Facebook sort of facing the, the first round of what we expect to be consequences for these data breaches and people not, I don't want to say being careless, but, you know, not being overly concerned with their customer data. Absolutely. And I think, you know, Facebook has obviously been one of the big losers in this whole conversation. Um, we talked a little bit about what that means for the company. Um, at the moment, they're still around, obviously. Um, but this is the kind of thing that really has implications for everybody who uses the internet now because we need to understand how our data is being used. Uh, so when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more on the business side of the house here with Professor Ryan Berlin, our digital manager. see that the, uh, the motions that go through while you're while you're on the break and, and we're trying to cue each other it's pretty hilarious so one of these days we'll do a live video we will we will <laughs> it's scary but we'll do it with ryan of course speaking of ryan here he is uh ryan hey i'm here <laughs> why don't you tell the people a little bit about what it is that you do here at Ryan? so uh sure well first of all thanks for having me guys um, this is a welcome break from my uh my dimly lit office in the basement. Uh, this, this room has a window, so it's, it's nice. Ryan's actual title is Advertising <laughs> Troll, but you know. <laughs> just troll in general. Uh, yeah, they, they let me out of the dungeon once a week for, uh, for Friday lunch, and that's about it. But um, yeah, so I run, uh, run the advertising department here at Raqqa, and I also annoy the living bejesus out of uh, Dave and Kelly on a pretty much daily basis. Uh, I uh, also have uh, many declared Nerf gun wars with, uh, with our developers. And um, I'm pretty sure I eat most of the snacks. I think those are the things that I'm, I'm Don't good for. Don't put that in lovely hacking department. I've got lots of those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we should have got a nice maker that doesn't make blocks of, you know, eight-inch long pieces of ice. And you now know Ryan about as well as his family. So. <laughs> pretty much. I don't talk to him that much. So, you know. So, <laughs> let's talk about... Uh, Let's, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the, the GDPR situation. Uh, Ryan has been uh, working closely with us and with our clients to sort of prep for this over the last several months and deal with any um, any aftermath, um, of which there really hasn't been much yet because we're, we're working with a lot of U.S.-focused companies, um, but this does have implications for, for companies in the U.S., as Dave said. So what has been most interesting to you thus far about the, the GDPR announcements, the news that's come up, and, and any concerns you've heard from, from clients and people in the industry? There's there's two fronts on which I approach this. and um, The first, you know, I, I minor in sociology. Um, because I wanted to have the most useless degree I possibly could um, in college. So English major and sociology minor, uh, and here I am working in advertising. Uh, but I, so I have this incredible fascination with with how you know cultures treat people, um, and it's it, with each passing day I think more and more we see how the EU treats its people as people, mm -hmm. and how in America we treat our businesses as people, um, which is a whole different topic for a podcast that we will not do because we're a marketing podcast. <laughs> um, we are not a political podcast uh, and we don't want to, want to go that route. But I, I found that fascinating. And really, I mean, the EU has been 
ahead of this personal data thing really since back in the 70s, which is insane to think about because we had, you know, at that point we had no idea. Um, you know, none of the internet didn't exist. We didn't have anything, but they were aware of, you know, kind of what was coming and they, you know, they saw it and they, they've been making strides to protect, you know, personal information. Um, and, you know, but the, the other half of it is that, you know, on the professional side, we got those slew of emails for that, you know, week and a half or whatever in the middle to, to late May. Um, and they were primarily from multinational corporations that we've, you know, we've shopped at. So your Amazons and, you know, Facebook's and stuff on Twitter and all the social networks and, and all that. But it's been astonishing to me to see how little response there's been from, you know, smaller businesses um, that haven't, you know, an international presence or a presence in the EU. Um, you know, there are clients that we work with that, you know, we've we told about GDPR months in advance uh, and they just kind of sat on it. Um, and, you know, in the middle of June, they were like, I guess we should do something about GDPR. Um, and it's it's a tricky it's a tricky piece of legislation. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But uh, one of the things that I found most interesting is is just that there isn't a lot of action on it, um, you know, by the people who are most at risk for being penalized. Uh, and part of that is just people. I think companies in general are slow to pick things up. But uh, you know, there hasn't been any enforcement yet. But there's going to be someday, and that's going to light a fire under a lot of people. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I think we're all sort of interested to see what what is next for this. We saw, you know, the the quote unquote preparation. We've seen, we've all we've all read through the very dense legislation mm-hmm. because it is dense, and while it's clearer than its predecessor, it's still not very clear. Right. So we're, you know, we've all we've all sort of been through that portion of it, um, as I'm sure many of our listeners have from you know a business standpoint, or at least read the news about what's happening, listened to the news. Um, so what happens next is kind of up in the air, it seems like. Like, we don't, we don't have any clue of when enforcements are going to come in. Right, we don't. And I mean, you know, just this morning, or I guess overnight, um, you know, the EU hit Google with a $5 billion fine for their antitrust violations in regards to their mobile, their mobile business. Um, and it's, you know, the fifth major fine they've slapped on a U.S. tech company, uh, you know, in the century. Um, and interestingly enough, the response from each of those companies, and Google's been hit a few times, uh, but the response has been that those companies' stocks have gone up. Um, so it, it doesn't seem like anyone here really cares, yeah, sure. um, which is, again, to my earlier point, it, it's it's kind of sad to see. It's a whole other ballgame. Yeah. Uh, so how does this impact U.S. companies and, and U.S. advertisers specifically? Because as we'll chat about a little more in a bit, data is huge for digital advertising. Yeah, and it's, you know, this is one of those things where it's, you know, we're walking back things that we've sort of known as marketers for a very long time. You know, we, we've we been told for years, for decades, and especially, you know, if you work with clients that are in retail, um, you know, that, that have, you know, they have transactions take place online, um, you know, you need to secure that customer data, you need to encrypt it, you need to shred it, you need a double secret probationary shredding encrypted, whatever you have to do. Um, but now you still have to do that, but you also need to make that data accessible mm-hmm. to anyone who wants it basically at a moment's notice. Uh, and obviously that's not as true of you know, American users necessarily, but eventually I think we're all going to get there. Um, so it's, it's really tough from a policy point of view 
But for me, I think the, the bigger thing is operationally is that there is for the first time ever, we have we have in writing a you know an edict that says if you are a company that markets to individuals, you need to have a clear and executable policy for how you manage their data, which by itself maybe doesn't seem that intimidating. But if you if you kind of think about it a bit, you have to have your marketing team work, work with your sales team, work with your IT team, work with your legal team. And anyone who's ever tried to do that just got a headache uh, <laughs> because they understand the implications there. It's, it's very difficult. I mean... Market, just getting marketing and sales to work together, we see this with our clients every day, is tough enough. And these are people speaking the same language mm-hmm. with the same goals, generally. You get lawyers involved, lawyers don't speak the same language as marketers. In fact, lawyers want marketers to tone down everything that they're doing. Yeah. IT folks don't speak any language, they just exist in some weird terrible <laughs> plane, uh, as we know with, with our developers, that they occasionally pop out of their hobbit holes and you know shoot me in the head with a nerf gun, and then you know they go right back down. But it's it really is a situation where there's never been anything like this that, that someone said, hey, you need to get all these these pieces aligned. You need to get all these departments moving in the same direction together. And it's really intimidating. Yep. It's really scary. Um, <laughs> and the, the customer-facing side of that, which is interesting to me, is that not only do you have to get all of those pieces working together on your side of things, but you have to get all of those pieces working together on your side of things and then communicate it as clearly as possible to your to your customers and your prospects, really. You have to, you know have in place something that they can understand. So <clears throat> hypothetically, this could be the end of the beginning of the end for the completely unintelligible terms of service that nobody reads. And I think that's what the the EU is sort of hoping for mm-hmm. is that that will, you know, I'm not I'm, I'm you know with a heavy dose of skepticism that this is actually going to stop companies from putting up very legal terms of use policies sure. that nobody actually reads. Um, and you know, part of that's on us for not reading them and not paying attention and just clicking when they come up on our screen. But that seems to be where this was hopefully headed. Yeah, it is. I mean, if you've ever, if you've ever really looked at a privacy policy or a terms of service page on a website, um, I mean, first of all, they, every company out there could be accused of plagiarism by the you know, their 10th grade <laughs> teacher because they, I mean, they change out like it's 12 words thing. and it's the same thing. But despite that, you know, you don't really understand what it is that you're looking at. Um, I mean, there's certain parts that as a marketer, you know, having done this for close to 10 years, you kind of understand where the things are that, that I need to look at to make sure that, you know, that my clients are, are, you know, previously it's never been in compliance, just that they've been safe. You know, are you, are they covering their ass essentially? And, um, you know, so there's places to look for that information, but by and large, I mean, it's, again, it is a legal document written for the purpose of marketers. Uh, and that's, it, that's tough to reconcile. And like we just talked about, you know, now you have to reconcile that with even more people. Um, and in addition to, Kelly, your point, you know, having an end product that is actually understandable and digestible um, so that people know what they're getting themselves into. So this is probably a topic that's, for a, an entire episode in and of itself, um, but can we the, can we talk a little bit at a high level about why consumer data has been so important and sort of when that became a product in and of itself, particularly for companies like Facebook, um, and how that impacts marketers and advertisers? Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, I think Facebook is kind of the, the place that you point to because um, they are 
sort of the ones who led the charge with you know with making digital advertising what it's become. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, believe it or not, there have been ads on the internet for almost twenty five years now, yeah. which is insane. Um, I'm thirty one, like that's that's crazy to me. I don't even I don't even know how I was using the internet six, you know when I was six years old or if I was at all. I recall Prodigy and being very slow. And, um, <laughs> You're making me feel old. Well, you know, I'm here for service. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I think that the the way that data is used online was was really kind of that that whole apple cart was tipped. You know, around 2010 2011, um, it was you know Facebook. If you were if, if you've been on Facebook from the beginning, um, as I think we have, uh, you know. You knew that the first three or four years, Facebook was kind of figuring it out. And then from 2008 to 2011, it felt like every three or four months, they, they totally overhauled the, the newsfeed, you know, new UX or new layout, new whatever. And, you know, for those two or three years, all anyone on Facebook ever wanted to do was just complain about Facebook because they were changing <laughs> everything and no one likes change. But ultimately where it landed was that, you know, Facebook took what was really roughly if, if you again, if you're there from the beginning you recall you had that you know the section in your profile where you could list the things that you liked and we could put books or movies or you know artists or colors or whatever um, and it was just a list it didn't it didn't do anything but what Facebook wound up doing with that is they they took everyone who had you know NSYNC I don't know why NSYNC is the first thing that comes to mind but it is um, you know, they took everyone that had a certain band they liked, everyone that liked Journey, you know, everyone that liked Steve Perry, but not Journey, you know, and they, they became <laughs> separate and yeah. they became separate entities and Facebook stopped defining or stopped really looking at people as people and they started looking at people as the sum of their interests. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, they enabled themselves as, as a product to create a whole new way to approach advertising that had never really been looked at before. Advertising to that point was... Search advertising, which we all know is someone has to search for a certain term. Uh, or it was display advertising where, you know, someone could put a banner ad on a site, but in all likelihood, they're either doing a direct placement by themselves or they're going to Google and saying, I only want it on this site and this site and this site, or I don't want it on this site and this site and this site, but everything else is fine. Yeah, it was much more manual. Right. So, so when Facebook did that, they created this whole new galaxy of audiences just based on the things that people are interested in. Uh, and that gave you know that gave marketers the opportunity to now target people based on interests, uh, based on likes, and and you know Facebook's with the next few years kind of gathering up these you know, these third parties that they either you know kind of consumed in whole or that they just decided to partner with that had all this data, and that kind of gets us to the Cambridge Analytica thing where you know there are all these third parties that have this data on people, and it's still amazing to me when I go to create a new campaign for a client on Facebook the ways that you can target. You can target someone based on their, you know, their credit score. You can target based on you know, their, the number of credit cards they have, how many, how many bedrooms they have in their house, whether they're about to buy a car, what type of car they're about to buy. I mean, all of these things are in play. Not so much anymore. Some of those things aren't, but some of them still are. And it's fascinating that that's there. They have that information. And again, it goes back to just dehumanizing the individual and making them the sum of, of their transactions and the sum of their, you know, their interests and the websites they visit and the people they follow on Twitter and all that. And it's just nuts to think that behind the scenes there are algorithms that are just amalgamating all of this data to create a, a profile. So anyway, that's kind of a roundabout answer to the question, but 
you know, that, that changed how we, how we market mm -hmm. because we're now looking at people based upon what the things that they're interested in, trying to serve them advertising that's relevant to their interests as opposed to relevant to them as, as an individual person. And the pendulum's starting to swing a little bit the other way, um, you know, back towards, you know, getting in front of the right person at the right time. Uh, and that's really what programmatic is all about, which is another, you know, another topic for another time. Uh, but you know that's where data is important, and there's all these opportunities to remarket to users based on just someone who's come to your site, and now they're cookied, even if they didn't fill out a single form or sign up for an email or even view more than one page, just because they've been to the site. You know, Google and Facebook and these other networks now have ability to to group their you know their IP address into another, a group of like users, and that pool suddenly can be remarketed to. Um, so it's it's huge, you know, and we're not. You know, as, as marketers, as advertisers especially, we aren't able to achieve anything that we've been able to do the past five years without that. The problem, and you know, going back to my interest in sociology, is that we we don't you know, we don't look at the individual as a person. We look at them as a sum of something less, um, and that's a very unfortunate reality. But it's our reality. That's true, uh, and I think that when it comes to Marketing and advertising, as we've seen it, and as we, you know, have, have, as businesses adjust to this sort of, you know, as they adjusted to the reality of being able to do these things, and now as they adjust to the reality that they're not always going to be able to do these things, um, it's it's been very important for us in conversations with our clients to really make sure that that inbound marketing focus spans across the marketing efforts, spans mm -hmm. into the advertising, which is all about that making sure that we have identified who these people are and that we're reaching them at the right time and that we're not, you know, the sort of the typical marketing, you know, we're not, we're not spamming these people. We're, we're trying to provide a, you know, we're, we're trying to do marketing and advertising that doesn't interrupt your, your general existence. Um, right. And that does, you know, have value to people versus having value to a group of people who like Steve Perry. Which is a problem unto itself. I mean, not the people who like Steve Perry. Steve Perry's great. Um, <laughs> but it's a problem to itself because advertising has always been disruptive. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when Google introduced search ads 18 years ago or 16 years ago now, um, it was the first time that anyone had ever created a, a mode of advertising that wasn't disruptive. Mm -hmm. A billboard is disruptive. A TV commercial is disruptive. Although you're expecting it, you know, when you're driving on the highway, you're oh, yeah, expecting it. Just because we've gotten used to it doesn't mean it's not a disruption. Exactly. Um, so, you know, we embrace some of those disruptions more than others. Um, you know, this is off topic, but I'll be interested to see, you know, 10 years from now, are we going to go, you know, watch a video on YouTube if we're still doing that in 10 years and and be pissed that there's a five second or six second pre-roll video that we have to watch? Are we just going to be like, this is, part, this is what I do now, just yeah. like we've done with, you know, commercials and, and sporting events and things like that. Um, but advertising has always been disruptive. Marketing a little less so, because there's ways to integrate it. Mm -hmm. um, but advertising has always been disruptive and trying to, you know, like I mentioned, the pendulum swinging back the other way, trying to just be there when someone wants you is, uh, I, I, that's, that's gonna be a big challenge. We're gonna take a quick break and when we come back, some advice from Ryan for listeners who may have been hearing about this and may have heard us go to the slightly dark place there and <laughs> wanna know what they can do for their business about all of this situation. And we're back. Um, 
this discussion, which I, I think has been pretty in-depth, honestly, is the kind of advice that you have, Ryan, for, for listeners who may have heard about this, have listened to this whole podcast, and maybe understand a little bit better what they should be doing, but still want to know, really, how does this affect me? What is my plan of action? Who do I talk to? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough because, again, we, we haven't seen this enforced yet. We don't know how it's going to be policed. Um, you know, we know that basically the EU left it in the hands of its member states to sort of do their own thing with. Um, so there's going to be some companies that I think, or some some countries that are harder on companies, and some that are you know that are less aggressive. Um, Ireland is an example. I mean, their their corporate tax rates are really really low, which is why you know so many American corporations have their you know, their EU headquarters in Ireland, um, and you know their their approach to policy has generally been. If you come talk to us, you know we'll let you off with nothing more than a slap on the wrist or a stern blow. Um, and I think it's generally agreed that there's going to be warnings before there's any fines that are handed out, which is you know, which is nice, but it, we don't know that. So, you know, it, it it's impossible to say when any of this starts. Um, and as a result, it's it's tough to say what you know is there a timeline for it. Um, I think that the there's two things that, that you should do if you're not really sure where to start. Um, and they're both phone calls, honestly. Um, the first is to a marketing agency or marketing consultant. Um, call us if you'd like. You know, we're here, we have phones, we pick them up occasionally. 603-436-7770. Nicely done. I didn't know if I, they were gonna let me say the phone number, so I didn't say <laughs> it, but good job. Um, yeah, I mean, but call, call, if you already have an agency that you're working with, call them. Um, I would hope that they would have already talked to you about this, and so maybe you've already had the conversation ongoing, and that's great. Um, the other thing is, you know, whoever you have for legal representation, you can get in touch with them. Because it, it is something that covers a lot of different areas, um, and your marketing team needs to, you know, have, be able to have a conversation with the people who are, you know, who are well-versed in, you know, kind of the, uh, you know, the ramifications of it. Uh, or you know what's necessary to avoid the ramifications, I suppose. But what you really need is to make sure that you know whatever you currently have in place is is sufficient. Um, <clears throat> you know your privacy policy, your terms of service on your site currently, those can be updated pretty easily. You know, in all likelihood, there are pages in your CMS. You can log in. You can make content updates as you need to. Um, that's definitely a place to start. Uh, if you know, because if those are behind, then you're you know you're just putting yourself in a, in a really bad place. Um, if you have a marketing agency or you have a third party that you work with or you just have you know, someone on your marketing team, whatever you're doing for lead capture um, or you know, for transactional stuff, you know, audit those processes. Make sure that they are, you know, that the data that's being transmitted in those, you know, in those transactions, um, whether they're sales or just leads, is, you know, is being encrypted somewhere but is also accessible. Um, <clears throat> presumably, if you are a retailer, you work with a third party, uh, like authorized.net uh, to process all your transactions. Now, I mean, third parties like that more than any have had to have been really under scrutiny with the GDPR thing so far. So they're you know they should be fine. Uh, but if you have any reason to believe they might not be, give them a call too. Uh, I think it's it's a, it's we're still in the phase where it's a lot of due diligence um, and making sure that everything you're doing is above board. Um, and you know I think once we see a fine levied from this, I think then everyone will have a lot better idea of where exactly they need to pay the most attention. But the privacy policy is, is compliant. If the terms of service are compliant, 
you know, if your your lead capture or your sales capture processes are you know are above board and your vendors are above board, you're probably okay. Uh, and that really goes for you know for companies in the EU too. It's this is not some sort of you know black cloud that just rolled in and is just gonna just gonna ruin everything. Um, it's it's something that you know that the EU and I think ultimately the rest of the world will want just to make lives a little bit easier and a little bit more secure. Um, at the end of the day, that's what the goal is. And so whatever you can do to make sure that you're doing that for your customers and your clients is, is important. And that's been true for marketing sales from day one. Um, although you know, many marketers probably don't take that to, you know, take that to the bank. Uh, you know, certainly a lot of salespeople, you know, you, people will tell you don't, don't uh, abide by that. You know, that's, that's the goal. Um, and I think it all comes back to, you know, when we talk about the inbound method, the goal is to be there for clients or customers or prospects in the moment when they have a need. Uh, so this is really just an extension of that. And if you can treat it that way and you get your organization to treat it that way, you'll be in a really good place. Awesome. Well, thank you, Brian, for coming and talking us through what is a, what is a very, very dense issue. Um, and we hope that it was at least somewhat educational for you guys out there. If you have questions, get in touch with us. Um, we are on the Twitter machines at OMG Marketing Podcast. Uh, you can also find us at www.rockacreative.com. Uh, this podcast is produced by us and Charlie Howell, and we are coming to you from the podcast shed at Raqqa, a digital agency based just north of Boston in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And Kelly, myself, Ryan here, and our producer Charlie, uh, the rest of our very talented team, we create websites, run marketing and advertising campaigns, with a focus on growth for a wide variety of clients across very different industries. So we hope to hear from you soon, and uh, thanks for listening. To our first episode. Yay!